Can you hear us okay, John? Yes, can you hear me? Yes. You sound as sprite as ever. Excellent. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, I'm Peter, and joining me today is not one, not two, but three of my good friends. And we start with our famous British comrade, Dan Crook. Hello, Dan. Hello, Peter. I'm calling in from Madison, Wisconsin, where I'm correcting people on where cheddar actually comes from while chasing flamingos. And my dog fucking fuck. <laughs> What's your dog's name? Noel. Huh? Fuck, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I love cussing. Oh, and uh, we have a very special guest today. Uh, lots of demand from the last time he appeared on the podcast. Our USL know-it-all and expert, John Leonard. Hello, John. Hello. Uh, calling in from across the street from the University of Dallas in a nondescript office tower where I am still at work. <laughs> you know, typically these are meant as jokes, but that is literally where you are in this moment, isn't it? Yeah. All right. And of course, your hero and mine, the uh, founder and co-editor of uh, ThirdDegree.net and from the Dallas Morning News, at least for a little bit longer, Buzz Garrick. Hello, Buzzard. How are you today, sir? Hello, Peter calling in from the great outdoors because it was 76 degrees at training today, and that was awesome. Yes. Uh, Buzz, you sound only, you sound probably 50% better than you did last week. Well, my head is about 100% better, but, um, you know, the throat is still a little raw and the chest is still a little verklempt, but other than that, it's getting better. Just now it's just allergies. We'll get over it. Well, uh, for the first time in quite a while, we get to enjoy a victory podcast as FC Dallas, right at the last screeching minute, uh, pulled off a need when it needed it the most against Sporting Kansas City. And not a not by a small margin, they clobbered them 6 nothing. And we'll talk about that here in just a second because the good news is the team did make the playoffs, uh, meaning Buzz's prediction was correct and mine was incorrect. Should note that straight up front. But the big news is what happened today. Uh, I think it's a big deal. I'm not 100% sure it is based on the way that the club chose to treat it today. Uh, but the long-awaited re-signing of Paxton Pomacall took place today for a four-year deal with a one-year option. Uh, little Paxton got him a pretty nice raise, although it's not the million-dollar-a-year thing I was suggesting he hold out for. No, that is big news, and you're right, it's not the million, but I think it might be by the end, and we don't know how much the numbers are, but a lot of times the bonus years can really escalate you know, up over a million. That's how you can get these high averages, uh, which we won't know about until the new number comes out. But yeah, it's a big deal. This is what we've been talking about, right? This idea that if you're going to have this academy model, that A, you have to reward the guys that come through and show for you because it's what your system is built on, and B, Paxton of all people, the local kid, the local hero, we want him to be the face of the franchise we want this to be the system and the guy and we want him to be the captain eventually and we love everything about him so we're excited i talked to him today he's really happy joyous look on his face i think he's happy to be here so win-win for everybody i think does does anybody uh, wonder how long it is before we start seeing the inevitable criticism online that Paxton's uh, level of ambition isn't meeting the uh, desire of the general American soccer fan? 
Well, based on what I've seen on Reddit, the general American soccer fan wants to fire everybody at U.S. soccer anytime we don't win a game. So I tend to ignore a lot of it. I've definitely seen a couple of people say they, they wish he hadn't signed the extension and had left uh, for greener pastures already. Now, Buzz, correct me if I'm wrong, but the general sense is is that Paxton... If you ask him the question, you get a very sincere and genuine answer that he's not in a hurry to go to Europe, and he genuinely seems to want to bide his time here in Dallas. It, it, do you do, one? Is that true? Two, if it is, is that a function of a lack of ambition or uh, a kid with his head screwed on straight and really has a good sense of what is maybe what he perceives to be the best path to success for his career and growth? Well, obviously, we can't speak for him, but um, you know the conversations that I would have with him, he's very genuine about his happiness here, you know, and and his family is involved in everything he's doing and deciding. This is not a kid that's off on his own, just making willy-nilly decisions. You know, he's got Corey Gibbs is an agent who's a good, solid agent. You know, so uh, he's got good advisors. Um, I imagine that this is where he wants to be. So. Um, you know, every time you ever talk about to him about it, he lights up. He's excited. He's happy. He's uh, enjoying where he's playing. He's talks about the progress he's making. You know, he's getting into the uh, U twenty Worlds and was great. He's now in the Olympic picture. He's now the big national team picture. So, you know, things are going for him in a positive way. And we also don't even know anything about what his own personal uh, situation might be in terms of a girlfriend or whatever. Uh, not that we cover that kind of stuff, but you know, that has an impact as well when you're nineteen years old. So. You know, um, this is a level-headed kid. This is not a crazy kid. This is a pretty nice paycheck he's gotten. I think he recognizes that uh, a new contract. He now remember he had two option years with the club. The club did, so he wasn't out of contract. So this is a new paycheck. He was going to be here anyway, and it doesn't change his ability to go if the right deal comes along. If the right offers made. You know, he's just as likely to go now as he was before, and he still can. So there's it's no change other than the fact that now he's getting paid, and it will get paid for longer to be here if that's what he wants to be. Well, also there's the uh, the protection for FC Dallas. You know, he's getting paid that. You know that that length and and amount means that FC Dallas are going to get paid if if he does indeed go to Europe at some point. Yeah, I, I just, uh, when I think about all of this, and let me state up front, I'm delighted that Pax is here. I want him to be here. I do believe it's the best path for him uh, to grow. Uh, but I, I I do wonder how long it takes before we start seeing the, oh, he's the next Landon Donovan uh, disappointment kind of vibe that you inevitably will happen when you've got a, a, a very high profile up and coming young American who seemingly it you know shuns the normal of trying to get out of here as quickly as possible. I will add that I was listening to I, I can't remember what I was listening to today. Probably on satellite. I heard an interview with Matt Mazinga and they were asking him uh, about his move and he and he actually specifically commented and I heard this just in the hour or so before I heard the PAX news, he made the comment that, you know, it was really good for him to leave because he got out of the comfort uh, of living at home and being with his hometown club and facing the pressures of being in a new place and uh, the competition day in and day out, which he didn't feel like he got an MLS. And, you know, when I heard that and then heard the PAX news, I did wonder, is Paxton going to get the level of competition uh, for a starting gig game in and game out that he would get in Europe? And is that a good or a bad thing? 
I just want to get a Matt Mazinga jersey now. Why is that? Because <laughs> his name's Miz- <laughs> Miazga. Oh, Miazga. Sorry, I thought it was Mazinga. Well, that's my bit, right? Isn't so anyway. that the uh, the the catchphrase from The Big Bang Theory? Yeah, right. Oh, it's Buzzinga. <laughs> oh, Buzzinga. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm an idiot. It's uh, thank you, <laughs> Miazga. Whatever. You know what I'm saying here. Now I've yeah. lost the point. Well, I think. Uh, right now, in fact, he is being challenged by Jesus Ferreira. So, uh, you know, I, I think Paxton's a long way from the Landon Donovan four or five multiple MVP awards or whatever it was that Dan Lonovan was doing. He's still being challenged by this league and still being challenged by his teammates. Now, when he reaches a point that he's not, obviously that's when you revisit the discussion. And obviously that's a point where we'll all begin, even you and I will all begin to say, okay, it's time, kid, you know, when he's dominating this league. And right now he's not. So, there's plenty of growth here. There's plenty of challenge still here for him. If he had chosen to go, we would applaud him in that choice. We would recommend, hopefully, that he picked a place where he is going to play some and not be relegated to the bench. You know, So this is a good stage for him right now. This is a stage and a place where he should be starting frequently and still be challenged every day in training. So I'm okay with it. And I, you know, Up until the point you're winning four or five MVPs in a row, it's not worth saying you're a quitter. I don't think. Yeah, I, I'm certainly not. I don't feel that way at all. And I and anybody who does think he's a quitter is got the wrong attitude about it. I, I, I just it's one of those deals where I I think the general soccer fan in this country expects something to happen, and when the opposite uh, turns out to be true, and it's and it, this isn't even the case of the guy doesn't have offers. While they may not have any offers for Pac, he genuinely wants to stay in Dallas and make this work. Yeah, everything that he says and is about being here and wanting to be here and want to make an impression here and be the guy here. You know, it's uh, I, I, he doesn't talk about these things as like ten year windows. He only talks about you know the now and the short term and you know what his what he has his eye on. You know, he's really good. I think about keeping his focus on the moment and playing in the moment and staying in the moment. You know, it's part of how he has that Bobby Ryan mentality of never say die in a particular game because he's focused on the game. So those are good quality attributes, and, and I think the kid's got a level head. So um, I think he's in a good spot. I think it's great for the club, and it's great for him. Uh, does anybody on the panel today have a sense of where his contract sits in relation to other major leagues? So I know it's the biggest homegrown deal for FC Dallas's history, but where does it relate to other homegrown deals uh, so far? Does anybody know? It's on the high end. Uh, I I think I knew it's, you'd know, it's going to be the second highest for a homegrown player for right now. Um, I, I think the only guy who's uh, currently making more money it be uh, what's his name, the sounder. Mazinga. Is it Mazinga? How much does <laughs> <Miasga>? <laughs> Jordan Morris? <laughs> Is it Jordan? Yeah, Morris? Jordan Morris. Jordan Morris. Uh, uh, depending on what Paxton's actual guaranteed compensation is, uh, I have a suspicion this contract is backloaded. Um, that he's probably not going to make six fifty every year base. I think he's probably going to make like three hundred, four hundred, six hundred, seven fifty, something like that. Uh, which would mean that Paxton would be the highest paid homegrown by the end of the deal, unless Jordan Morris resigns. But that's putting him on money equivalent with like Ozzy Alonso or Graham Zuzi or Matt Beasler or. You know, you know, guys who are, who are making good money. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't, don't, 
Don't disgrace Paxton with the guy that was out sprinted by the garden snake. <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? Be fu- it's funny. He's actually making. He'll be making less than Kellen Acosta. <laughs> Kellen's making six sixty four. Yeah. So we don't. I, the The number six fifty has been thrown out there, but do do we know? Uh, Buzz, I think you your source uh, confirmed that number. No, no, I don't have any confirmation on the number of the contract. Um, what what I did say was that the numbers I suggested in my article back in June, if you averaged out what I suggested, you ended up with 620. So it's probably relatively, as John says, in the ballpark of you start at four and you bump by 100 and you go four, five, six, seven, and then the fifth year gets like a, a loaded like million something yeah. or whatever, million two, million five, and that gives you a 650 average. So... It'll be something like that, and we won't know until. I mean, other than the reports of the this average, I doubt we'll know until the um, players' union drops their numbers next spring. Uh, in terms of whether he's going to be the highest paid, the question will be: uh, Is he going to be the highest paid FC Dallas homegrown uh, as soon as they get done doing Jesus Ferreira's contract? Because you could argue, having led the team in scoring and being second or third in assists, you know that with his production, he might actually pull a bigger number than uh, Paxton Pomacall, perhaps. We'll see how mm. negotiations go, but yeah, put a pin on that conversation real quick. The one thing I do want to ask, and 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 maybe, and again, I'll I'm I'm totally willing to admit maybe this is just a, a I'm the only person in the world that finds this interesting and or maybe slightly annoying is was anybody somewhat surprised a at the timing of the announcement and b um, just kind of the like. Off the cuff, non theatrical, low hype level of the way the club managed to announce this today. Well, I wondered if they would have sat on it if uh, it hadn't gotten leaked um, to uh, the athletic. They might have waited till the playoffs were over to announce it. FC Dallas might have, you know, because they, they don't like to announce things really at all, which is weird. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen more hype on it myself. I mean, I, you know. Uh, if if maybe we don't know for sure, but maybe if they could have had their druthers, they would have done some sort of local news, sort of news breaking kind of thing on like a TV station or something. I mean, that might be a good suggestion, but you know, we're not involved with their marketing department. They did do a video of him signing. I mean, that was kind of nice, I guess, but you know, you and I want him to be promoted as the face of the franchise and made a big, huge marketing splash with him. And that obviously didn't happen. Hopefully we'll give him some time and maybe it will happen, but Sure isn't yet. I, I don't know. I, I just think this is a seminal moment for this club in that a kid who came up all the way through the system is now, you know, signing his second deal with the club and he's making this insane amount of money for an 18 or 19 year old kid. Um, it, it just it seems like such an obvious story to be told uh, to promote and get people really interested in what's going on. Um, I, I just. Timing aside, I just found the whole way they handled it today to be, and maybe it's purposeful. You know, sometimes there's a part of me that just believes that Dan and Clark Hunt just don't care about this part of the business, and they think it's unnecessary, and and maybe they're you know uh, they're not really big into self promotion of this stuff, and and that's okay too. I, I just today was a really really big deal for this club, and it just doesn't it doesn't feel like the club seems to feel the same way about it. Well, they're certainly not a flashy organization. I, I agree with that. They tend to do things on the down low and subtly. I mean, but I, I don't have an answer to this question. I agree with you. I would have liked to have seen it made a bigger deal out of it for for sure. Uh, it was underwhelming the way they rolled it out. Yeah, Dan. You know, you you come from a land that's been doing this for a long time. When kids like this get signed to big deals, it's generally kind of a, a the the clubs make a big deal out of it, don't they? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the difference is, you know, most clubs don't have the luxury of being able to sit on something. And, you know, I agree with Buzz. It does seem like they, they thought they were going to sit on it, time it really nicely, have a release and, and a video package or whatever. And then they, you know, realize suddenly, oh, crap, we need to put something together in five minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it would have been nice even if they had done something a little, you know, some some video graphics just to tidy it up a little bit and make it look like there was some preparation to it. But, um I mean, even the video yeah. of them just sitting around Dan's office with him half shaven and not him, Dan, you know, and and Feruzzi and and uh, the new guy, it just seemed very weird and very informal. And and I don't know. This is one of those things where I get frustrated because I want this club to tell these amazing stories better and and get the word out and really promote itself. And I just felt like one of the biggest things that's ever happened in this club that's self-deserving. They've self-created this. They've successfully grown this thing and turned it into a kid that wants to stay here and make a lot of money and lead the team. And we got these kind of goofy, we got, I got an email and a, and a, and a tweeted video. Well, doesn't this go back to what we always say about them? They can't get the basics right. So how are they going to do that? Even the more impressive marketing feats. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen the, uh, the table signing in front of like the media, you know what I mean? Like we'll invite a couple of local media and some cameras and, you know, we're going to sign the big new contract for our young superstar and get everybody there taking pictures when he signs that whole bit. Uh, that would have been a nice something. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I don't oh, know. There even used to be times, um, back when, uh, Leanne was, was doing, uh, PR when, you know, a member of the media would get an invite to sort of break it. And then, it created a little bit of buzz because one, you know, everyone else is scrambling to to cover the story. Now it's it just doesn't happen. Now it's all self promotion and and no one else cares. And then it's you know blogs like ours that are kind of running around scrambling, while mainstream people are like, "No, you're good. We don't care." Well, it's uh, it's a big deal, and I don't mean to, I don't want to uh, color it too badly with uh, just silly side promotional marketing stuff. That's probably more my um, my annoyance than anybody else's. It's a big day, and congratulations to Paxton. He totally deserves it. Now, what I do want to move into is the thing that you talked into a second ago, Buzz, was the the, the issue of Jesus Ferreira and his success. And then now we're are we looking at two guys that are competing for the same position this year simply because Pax has been dealing with this hip flexor issue or is this going to be an ongoing story as we get into next season in 2020 well I I think in the short term it's going to be an issue uh, but in the long term I don't think it will be I think there's a there's a version of FC Dallas uh, maybe it's later next year maybe it's the second year where you can play uh, Jesus and Paxson as dual eights. Um, you know th- this very modern um, taking turns, going and coming and sitting back. You know as long as uh, those guys grow into the idea that there is a linking eight responsibility that one or the other of them has to do. Right now, they're not both dialed in enough, so you kind of need that Brandon Cervania eight in there with one of them. But there's a day I think when the two of them together with enough time together and enough work at it and enough work with whoever they're holding six is 
they can develop this flip-flopping mentality and it can work. Um, you know, is it going to be day one next year? No. So like going into the next season, you're probably still looking at, you know, a six and a linking eight. And, and one of those two guys is a 10 and the other one maybe as uh, this false wing idea, or maybe there's different games and different scenarios when you can play them together and that kind of thing. So I think it's a work in progress. The idea is to have two game changing players on the field at the same time. That's what you want to get to eventually. Maybe you can't quite do it yet. And and I know that both you and Dan have probably talked to Paxton uh, more recently. Uh, is there any sense in your conversations with him that he has any sense, uh, any level of frustration that he's not getting starts uh, and that he's not being asked to be to be playing what is you know uh, typically his best position? No, the the frustration I get from him right now is his inability to be pain free. Um, you know, when somebody hits him in training, there's definitely a grimace and it takes him a second to get up longer than it used to. You know, I, he's he definitely has some frustration in that. I've not picked up any frustration from him that he's not being given a, a, a starting job. You know, he's still and you remember when they did the All-Star announcement, he really had a look of shock on his face that he got named to the All-Star game. You know, he's kind of a humble kid in a lot of ways. So I, I don't think that he... I think he relishes the competition and knows he's in competition. And right now he's pretty okay with it. I don't, I don't get any frustration from him in that regard. Yeah. I mean, the uh, sort of feeling I get whenever I speak to him is you could put him at left back and he, he'd be like, great, let me do it. Um, I was like kind of to, to Buzz's point before um, from speaking to Lucci, um, you know, you know, yeah, he, he absolutely does see Paxton as, as more of that eight type Um you know, I think honestly that they they are looking at day one next season if if they can get it to work during preseason. Uh, so I guess we'll 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 put a we'll put a pen into the a future podcast for what Buzz's ultimate midfield lineup uh, is looking forward. Uh, so let's go ahead and seg into the big results. So needing a win to get into the playoffs or at least secure and and. Uh, uh, secure their place in the playoffs. They go out on Sunday on decision day facing Sporting Kansas City, uh, who were missing several starters of their own and already out of the playoffs. But, you know, some teams like to show up and play spoiler. And it didn't take long before this one was done and over with as Dallas goes on to win 6 to nothing for the final game of the season and secure their place in the playoffs and did so without Paxton, uh, which turned out to be a really interesting decision on Lucci's part. I was uh, very concerned that you go into the, like, the, look, if the kid can play and he's on the bench, you probably want your best player playing in the most important game of the season. Lucci made an alternate call and it paid off in spades for him. Yeah. You know, this, this team has been doing well with this six, eight, 10 combo uh, that, with Jesus as the 10. So, you know, you uh, and, and uh, Santiago Mascara had done really well coming off the bench for a couple of games, and that continued with him as a strike a starter. Excuse me, on the left wing, he still didn't go ninety. But um, my biggest takeaway from the whole thing was the fact that Andrasic scored an over the top goal, which I thought would never in a million years happen. Uh, but he was really smart about it. He, you know, he carried the ball across in front of the center back and made the center back have to adjust and try around his other side. And that was enough to create the space. And he was able to score over the top. That was, that was something I never thought I'd see happen because he's slower than dirt. But, um, you know, this team is a roller coaster. They had, they had some fight in and they came out hot. They did well. They, they've blown out some teams at home. They've been blown out on the road. So I, you know, it, it's an up and down team and, and it was a, it was a fun game. I'll tell you that watching it. I, 
uh, everything was going right for them, and 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 uh, it was about as comprehensive a win as they've had in them in this year, really, when you dismantle a team. And and uh, Jesus was fantastic, and Mascara was fantastic, and you know, I have no complaints about anyone that played in that game. To be honest with you. So I, I guess I'll take a minute to ask some questions uh, about Santiago Mascara, who has been very frustrating. Uh, you know, his inability to stay healthy, and even when he's in the game, he's such an on-off switch. Uh, is there any indication, uh, Buzz, on your part, at least what you've seen in training, that maybe the switch is locked into on, and we're going to start seeing something more consistent out of him, or is it just going to, you know, you just hope for the best and see how long it lasts? Well, it's definitely on right now. Uh, for a bit about a month now, he's been looking just like he does in the games and training. Super sharp, super confident, doing the, uh, impactful stuff in training as he has when he come off the bench. I think he had four successful dribbles out of five in this last game. Well, is the only Dallas player that had dribbles, if I remember correctly, or pretty close to it. So, you know, he's definitely on. You know, we don't cover a lot of off-field stuff, but he just had a baby. Maybe that's kind of got him focused, thinking about his future, thinking got him, you know, determined. Perhaps, you know, I, um, you know, right this minute he looks like he looked in the spring when I thought he would be MVP. Obviously, the injuries just derailed him, and his sort of up and down mentality just derailed him. But you know, we always had hoped that we could get a consistent level of play out of him, and he certainly is doing it right now. All right, Dan, I'm going to ask you uh, to comment on, on Drezic, who now is scored, I, I think he's up to six or something for the season, or seven. I don't remember what the, the number is. You know, here's a guy that, you know, the club made a big deal out of, showed up, uh, really struggled to even get any playing time uh, for either team for the longest time. And then suddenly in the last part of the season, uh, the, you know, they've been sticking him back in games and he's uh, turned some results. Is he a proper solution as a number nine for this team? Is it, or, or what is it we're getting out of him? And is it worth being excited about? Uh, it's a strange one. Um, yeah, I, I kind of noticed something with him. Um, you know, he's got a great record at home, uh, six goals in the last four games and uh, an assist or two. But he hasn't done anything on the road. Um, maybe it's maybe it's the getting used to the whole the travel, um, the different environments in in MLS. But I, if I'm gonna have a, a proper everyday number nine, I need him to be able to perform home and away. Um, <clears throat> you know, and I'm actually I'm gonna do something on that in a week uh, on the blog, but. I don't know. He, he needs to. There's another step to take. He's, uh, you know, he put in the work. He, in practice, he, you know, went from looking like a guy who wasn't MLS quality to someone who was, you know, definitely competing for a spot and 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 succeeding. Uh, just, yeah. You, you, it's. Can you trust him going into Seattle? Can you trust him on a crunch away game in the league? Right now, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. Um, setting the Seattle and whatever future playoff games are in front of them for the rest of this season, uh, do, you, do you have any sense, does anybody uh, have any sense that Lucci, Dan, 
anybody else in the front office feels like that Andrezik is the answer for the number nine position going in to 2020? Uh, my sense is that he's not the answer, but he is part of the answer that he'll be, he'll be here. Like before I wouldn't have said he was even going to be here next year, but now I'll say that he is going to be here next year. Um, and when, and eventually when we get into all the off season stuff, I think there'll be some guys that'll leave from that same position and there'll probably be somebody coming in at that same position. So he, I don't think he'll be the definitive, we're going to ride this guy to the NLS cup answer, but I think he'll be one of the tools in Lucci's box next year. That'll be part of the equation. That's where I see it. I see him as being a positive and the right kind of game. Yeah, he certainly has all the attributes that you want out of a player, a foreign signing. He's got a personality. He's got an attitude. He's fun to watch uh, with his spirit on the field. He's obviously good off the field, and his teammates seem to like him. Um, What he's able to pull off in the playoffs, whether it be one game or multiple games, is really going to uh, write the rest of his story uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, now that the season is over in terms of the regular season, and before we get into the Seattle game, I, I was wondering if if the four of us, or how many, are, is there four of us on here? Yeah, four of us, um, have any sort of consensus of who the team's player of the year is. I know who I think it is. I'm interested in the rest of you. John, do you have somebody you'd nominate for player of the year? I don't want to just pick the obvious answer of going with Paxton because that's everybody's picking him. Uh, I am actually I I feel like I would give it to Ziegler. Interesting. I think that Ziegler, in terms of being able to consistently keep a very young roster calm and to be a really not quite all-star, but was definitely in that conversation with Hedges in the back line. And uh, as with him taking over as sole captain, it's a big step up for him, and I think he did really, really well in the role. And it's not a surprise to me that this is a team that only got one red card all season with a presence like that, keeping everyone, keeping everybody, you know, in check. All right, we got you down for Ziegler. Dan, do you have uh, somebody in mind? I'm not going to hold you to it because you may change your mind after the playoffs, but for this point, somebody who you think is player of the year for the team. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, Dominique, but no, sorry, Paxton Pomacal. Um, you know, you can call it picking the obvious, but that that is the player who, uh, who really has set the tone, um, you know, in, in the attacking phase of play. Um, you know, regard you know he's had his uh, hip flexor issue in the time with the under twenties, but you know that's uh, the season doesn't even get started without him. Hmm. Okay, Buzz. Uh, yeah, I think there's multiple candidates. Both those guys that they mentioned are good candidates. Uh, by the way, Reto Ziegler is under contract for next year. I'm, I learned today, so that's positive. Is that breaking um, news? Uh, I believe it is breaking news. I don't think anyone knew for sure that he was, but I asked around a little bit today, and he is. Man, so I wish good. we had a breaking news sounder. Boop, boop, boop. How's that? Right. Okay. Um, uh, I think Jesus Ferrer is also a candidate. I think Michael Barrios tying the single-season assist record just is a candidate. Just give me one. Just tell me who you think it I'm, is. I'm working up to it. No, I don't want you to lyric. No, no, I'm not going to say it now. No, now you've wrecked it. I'm not going to say it now. 
my my player of the season is Ryan Hollingshead mm. for a couple of reasons. One is that he's consistently been a high performer on the left side. Um, he's had some of the, statistically speaking, and some of the best stats in the entire league is left back. Matt Hedges said he was the best left back in the league, and I at the, right now I think that's true. And uh, despite the fact that Reto is captain and Hedges has is co-captain, um, the person that does all the huddling, the person that Lucci says, get him going, and that's this is from day one of the spring, the person you see in the videos doing the little rah-rahs before the game, it's Ryan Hollingshead. All year long, Lucci has gone to him for, get everybody over here, Ryan. Hey, get him out of the locker room. Hey, get him into the locker room. Ryan gets him going on the field. He gets him going in training. Despite the fact he's not captain, he's the emotional leader of this team in and around the locker room. And that's on top of his high level of play uh, at a position that's very difficult to have a high level of play. He fought off a challenge from a fantastic rookie. Um, and he's, uh, this is the first year that he's got a extended run at one position and he's done fantastic and he got himself a big new contract. And so for me, Ryan Hollingshead is your FC Dallas player of the year. All right. I'm going to, uh, say it's Brandon Cervania, uh, who after doing a bit of research, uh, in this whole argument about Jesus versus Paxton versus all this other, you know, stuff that's happened in the midfield once Grezo was sold off. If you go and dig through the numbers, uh, since the game they won in Kansas City back in late July, the team only essentially won a few games, a handful. I think they won one, two, three, four, five games total since uh, July uh, 20th, and the rest of it were a mix of uh, draws and ties. And the one consistent player that is tied to Uh, positive versus negative results is whether or not Brandon Cervania is in that particular game. And it's pretty amazing because you can pull or pull out, you know, add in or pull out certain players like Brian Acosta or Jesus or Paxton, and the results don't uh, mimic uh, that change. If you put Brandon in or take Brandon out, it is pretty consistent that wins and losses or wins and ties follow Brandon, whether he was in the game or not. So, um, I, th- I think he's been one of the most consistent players uh, for the team, especially once he got back into playing with the group. Uh, obviously, he didn't start off. Uh, so that's who I would nominate for player of the year. Yeah, we've talked a lot recently about how, uh, well, Acosta, you don't have much choice, but Acosta and Cervania were a lock at this point to be the, the six and the eight in this team because of the fact that Brandon has played so well. That's a great suggestion. All right, so uh, that leads us to uh, the the first round playoff game we were all hoping not to get, which is uh, FC Dallas's personal house of horrors, which is CenturyLink Field, home of the Seattle Sounders. Although last time they were there, they got a probably their best result through the last half of the season, which was the nil nil draw. Um, uh, just I don't know how many weeks ago, it wasn't that long ago uh, that they were able to pull that off. So. Um, all right. How do you guys want to preview that? Well, I've got something that, uh, is just a horror statistic to get us all in a nice, happy mood. Dallas is the worst away team out of all 14 playoff teams. They are the only team whose road record would put them outside of the playoffs. And, uh, we are as bad on the road as San Jose or Cincinnati. 
the hell is wrong with you, John? Don't bring up negativity here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's an interesting thing uh, to, to, to ask. Uh, you go back and look at the results of late uh, for this team. I don't know who wants to answer this question, but is FC Dallas the team that beats Kansas City six to nothing at home, or the team that loses to another team that didn't make the playoffs a week earlier in the Colorado Rapids four to nothing? And 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 that's the that is the the weird two sides of this team that I just can't figure out in my head. Well, I think when you get the the 6-0 and 4-0 winning home team, when you get that team on the road, that's when you get your 0-0 draw in Seattle instead of getting your 0-3 loss in Colorado. So, you know, your hope for in this situation, and, that, and the last Seattle game, by the way, was September 18th. So, you know, pretty much a month ago, month door to door. Um, so th- that, that raises for me the big question is, do you go back into Seattle with that, uh, Leachy didn't like that I called it a low block because they still pressed, but it definitely was a sit deep and over the top kind of look, um, you know, with some trying to exploit the space behind the Seattle back four with Barrios as a nine. So, uh, you know, are they going to go back to that kind of look? He really is the only guy, especially with Baji having his quad problem. Um, right now, he's the only guy they have that has that over the top pace to play as that high nine if you want to go that route. So, I don't have an answer to that yet because it's a week and a half away and we'll see what they do in training next week when they're working on it. But um, you got to hope that that, that grind mentality that they have occasionally had on the road, you know, I think they've done better on the road when they try and grind it, when they don't try and play Lucci ball on the road. So um, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. And I'm hoping we'll get that team. Cause then if you can go zero zero and take it to, you know, an overtime goal or a, or, or a shootout or whatever it takes, you know, whatever it takes, right. Playoffs. So, that's what I hope we get, and we hope we don't get the zero three smoking. Well, as long as it doesn't end up like uh, the last playoff game when uh, Oscar played the back five and and got <laughs> spanked. <laughs> you had to bring that up, didn't you, Dan? Yeah, because anything else is positive. You know, in looking at the recent record uh, and re- and line of results. You know, the, the, the interesting thing is the team got a win and a loss in the last two games, both on the road and home against teams that didn't make the playoffs. Uh, the last two wins other than that came against two really crap sides uh, against Cincinnati and Houston. And then it had the really poor performance in Chicago where it got blown out again. But I wonder how much there is to think about the two hard-fought draws that it got back-to-back in Seattle and then at home against NYCFC, two of the best teams in the entire league. Obviously, the NYCFC game is a bit of a disappointment because they allowed uh, uh, the Pigeons to score so quickly in that game, uh, bizarrely. But they did get the draws in both those games, and and you wonder if maybe there's something to uh, hold on a bit of hope from those. Yeah, I think that's that that's that grinding mentality, you know, that we were t- that I was talking about. You know, when they have when they have those games where they've been challenged, and there was a stat that floated around a little while ago that that, that that Dallas has gotten more points off of teams in the top half than anybody else. You know, and I think it's when they have that underdog mentality, that fighters mentality, and that um, I'm not going to say counterpunch because that's not their bag, but um, when they have this never say die mentality and a lot of that comes from somebody like Paxton Pamacol by the way he's a big component of the never say die mentality so um, when they have that when everyone's 
up for it, if you will, when they're not thinking they're going to roll through it or not thinking they're going to win, when they have to fight, I think there's a better team because they have done poorly against poor teams because they think they're good, you know. Um, we talk a lot about it's the youngest roster in the league, and I always want to come back to that because it's one of the things to learn about being a pro is learning how to grind, and sometimes you got to grind, and this is going to be a grind, this one. I mean, you got you got to go in there and battle. You can't go in there and just hope you have a good day. you got to go in there fighting and clawing from the start. Well, uh, the game, there's some oddities about where it's going to happen. It's a week from Saturday. The kickoff, I believe, is 2.30 Central Time. Yes. Uh, the broadcast location is not nailed down yet because it sounds like Major League Soccer between Fox and ESPN have themselves all tied up trying to sort out that and baseball. And um, I think I heard that the game may end up on Fox Sports 2, which I don't even know if I get Fox Sports 2 anymore at home. So, that's weird. It'll also be right in the middle of uh, the radio show, so lucky me. All right, so this uh, takes me to a topic that I've been wanting to talk about because it started uh, in our group chat between Dan and I back and forth, where, uh, and I don't know if maybe this is, maybe I'm the one that's misunderstanding it or wrong, or maybe, you know, because Dan isn't from here, he doesn't get it, but I'm confused as to why Major League Soccer has set up the playoff brackets the way they are, because they are not reseeding the teams after round one. Uh, LAFC, which you know deservedly gets a bye and is the number one seed, will no matter what end up playing the fourth or fifth place uh, seat or fourth or fifth seeded team, and Seattle theoretically could get the third seeded team. No the sixth-seeded team if Portland was to beat Salt Lake. And that drives me nuts. And and you and I were – and, Dan, you think they've done it right, and I'm not convinced that they have. Yeah, they fixed it. It's great. Uh, now home advantage actually means home advantage. There's – you know, and teams are now playing knowing where they're going to. Yeah, but, okay, so let's see this – let's say this plays out. It, let's say L.A. ends up beating Minnesota – Right, and LAFC now has to play the Galaxy, the team that the, probably the one team in the Western Conference they don't want to play till the very end. And Seattle would get the easy road as the second seed to play the sixth seed in Portland, and that just doesn't seem right to me. They should have reseeded it where LA got Portland and Seattle got LA. There's a video by SB Nation's John Boyce about March Madness making this exact same point very, very well of why reseeding matters if you don't want to just generate losers. This is a losing machine. This is very good at taking good teams and churning them through like a wood chipper. That doesn't make sense. There were all five teams that could have finished third were at some point on decision day in third spot. They're also all in, oh, sorry, all four teams. They're also all in fifth place at some point. You're talking about, you know, teams whose records were virtually identical. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. If you want to win the playoffs, you have to be the best team of all those teams. And you know what? In MLS playing at home, you've got a hell of an advantage. Oh, no doubt. It just seems that if on top of making um, the final results and where you end up in the standings, meaning that regular season games have the most potential value at all, you know, of all, um, and increasing those values, which they did by eliminating uh, the home and away thing and making this single elimination games, it just it seems to have neutered it a little bit by creating a scenario and where LA may have to play LA and Seattle gets. Portland 
I, I get your point, Dan, that the difference between Portland and L.A. Galaxy at this point is relatively nominal. It just is a larger question to me of what would really have been the right structure for this and the way most of these things are done in American playoff, in American playoff setups. Well, here's, well, here's my read on the situation. And um, I, I'm, you're right, I'm used to use, seeing reseeding. But my, I, my two guesses are that this way, Minnesota and or L.A., and or LA know they're going to LA no matter what, right? It's not going to change. Or like the other, like if you're Dallas, you know if you win, you're either going to Salt Lake or Portland. It's like it's not. It could be anybody if if you reseeded. The second thing is uh, MLS has one of the strongest home field advantages in the world, particularly in the playoffs. It's even more so in the first round. It's something like seventy five percent for the home team. So. You know, it's it's highly, 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 highly likely that the three and the two are going to advance, and the six and the seven are not. So, you know, it, they probably just sort of decided that for the for the cost savings and to be able to plan ahead. And 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 MLS is not great at selling playoff games. They want to be able to sell them as far out as possible. You know, so that's my guess as to why they're doing it this way. Is you combine all those things together, and it's it's not the NFL. <laughs> they can't pull off a game in a five minutes' notice. So. That's why I think it's the way it is. But I agree with you; it should be reseeded. I think also, you know, if you if you wanna if you wanna fix it, you don't have seven teams. Sorry, fourteen teams total in a playoff. You have eight teams. You have, you know, your first place, fourth, second, third winners play each other, vice versa, and like likewise on the other conference. Then your winners playoff. That's simple. Right. Um, MLS have created a f- they created a broken system and then tried to fix it by breaking it another way. I think you know if they're gonna have seven teams and they're gonna do it, this is honestly the best way. Cause, um, you know we always you know we always heard about teams complaining, you know, have about having to potentially book two or three different sets of hotel rooms or flights because they didn't really know the outcomes of things based on, on the the last playoff system, which, you know, if there's reseeding, that would still be the same case. At least now they can, you know, know where know where they're playing, know where they're staying, know when they're, uh, where, uh, where they're flying to, where they're training, so on and so forth, and actually plan for it. And, you know, like Buzz said, I mean, it's, it's a league where you're virtually guaranteed to win at home. Um, you know, so New York City and and uh, LAFC have have got such a huge advantage. Anyway, it's it kind of negates anything else. Okay, so I guess uh, since you brought up the 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 point of the number of teams that uh, you know, I think does tend to drive most people nutty and seems to water a lot of this down. I do want to ask the question. Um, does that in any way detract from uh, th- that making the playoffs as the seven seed as a success story for the 2019 uh, Huntsman season? We, when we spoke about it earlier in the year and sort of figured out where we said, I think, you know, Buzz and I both said somewhere around six and seven, and you, I think you said eight. Mm-hmm. We, and the rationale was they're not the worst team. They're certainly not the best team, but there's enough crap in in the conference and far too many playoff places for it and that's that's what it's fell into this is a rebuilding year it's a project it's not a team that 
really should be challenging for MLS Cup and they've kind of just fallen into a position where in four games they can. Yeah, I think it should have I think it should be six. I think the one and two should still get a vibe. I mean, I, I know they want more teams and that's why they went with seven, but um I, I don't think it I don't think it uh, disparages the FC Dallas season because it was defined in advance. You know, you knew coming in that seven was the line and you got to seven. Seven versus six, whatever. You know, that's a wash, really, in terms of like, oh, if we'd have gotten a six or, or if we hadn't gotten to seven, you know, it's the same category. I just think six would have made more sense because then one and two would have had a buy, you know, and it would have been half the conference would make it instead of, what is that, 60% of the conference may have seven. You know, when you have 12 teams, it should be six, right? Yeah, but I but and you're talking about playoff structure. I'm I'm more specifically asking the question: Should we be relieved, excited, feel proud of? Did they exceed expectations, um, or you know, in terms of FC Dallas's specific season, mm. considering the young roster, inexperienced coach, um, uh, or uh, are, is their result at number seven? How much of that is a byproduct of the fact that San Jose, Colorado, well, maybe not Colorado, but Houston, and some of these other teams just kind of fell apart towards? Towards the end of the season yeah i mean that's always the case though i mean someone's always going to fall apart and you know they finished where right where most of us i actually thought they'd be a little better than they were you guys both had them at like seven eight or whatever i thought they'd be more like five but um you know i, I don't think it uh when you when you perform in the way you're supposed to what everyone thinks you're going to perform i think that's fine you know if they'd exceed they'd have exceeded that we'd be excited if they are worse than that we'd be disappointed you know this this was a season of learning with a new coach so I think it's okay. I, you know, I'm not disappointed in this season. I'm not. I don't. I don't think making the playoffs was the deal breaker in terms of like it's a good season or it's a bad season. As I said before, the Hunts are already completely convinced that they've got the right system now. So, you know, it's it is what it is, and I, I think the season was perfectly fine, especially with the parity in the West. You know, other than LAFC, everybody in the West is just average. You know, so they're right there in the middle of that pack. All right, so I, I do. Before we move on to the next thing, I, I do want to hammer on that. Buzz, you feel strongly that whether they had made the playoffs or not made the playoffs, you don't think that changes any sort of attitude or uh, self uh, feeling of self justification uh, on the Hunt's part. Uh, uh, how the how the season turned out in terms of the regular season making or not making the playoffs, they yeah, would have none. felt the same no matter what. Yeah, zero change, none. I mean, they basically they, they hired Luchi Gonzalez specifically because they already believed that this was the way, right? right? And they went for their academy guy. You know, they could have had Feruzzi if they thought it was just an in-house thing. They went for the academy thing. So, um, you know, I, I think they were already convinced that this was the way. And I think that given not the result of the season, I think the result is not the point that convinced them. What convinced them, I think, finally, was the performance of the young kids how many times this season we talked about how week after week after week the young kids are who Luigi can rely on he's relied on paxton jesus brandon Servania. you just talked about him reggie cannon you know uh even even jesse and goal is a homegrown and academy guy you know like the guys that have failed baji has let them down arangis has let them down it's the guys, it's the veterans, it's the guys from outside the system that have let them down this season. Uh, or been inconsistent, if you will. Even Andresic at the end, who paid off, was terrible for the first six months. So I think this whole season and everything, everything about this season has 100% convinced them that they were right 
and that this is the way forward to, to Nirvana, to the promised land. Hmm. All right. Well, I know many people listening to the pod have been waiting for this portion, which is the John Leonard portion of the podcast. Uh, you've been so nice and quiet back there in the background, John, but now we're going to ask you to fire up that brain and start spouting some of your facts. As uh, North Texas Soccer Club not only won uh, USL 1's regular season, uh, they now have positioned themselves nicely for a good playoff run. They host their very first playoff game this Saturday at 7 p.m. against one of the cooler brands in United States soccer world, Madison Forward. What are your thoughts about that matchup, John? Uh, it's honestly of the three other teams in the playoffs. I think Madison is probably going to be the hardest and give us the most trouble. I think for North Texas, Madi- Madison, full mingo, like El Plastico is real. This is a real legitimate rivalry. Like it might have just started with random Twitter posting and a meme war, but there's, there's already some bad blood between these two teams. And, uh, they are what well, the North Texas split the season with Madison, uh, one nothing win, a three one win, and then a four one loss and a one nil loss. Uh, it's either going to be a big blowout, like three or four goal margin win, or it's going to penalties. I don't think there's any in between. Now, uh, do we have any sense if this is when uh, the Hunts and Feruzzi and everybody and and Quill and Lucci all get together and go, okay, let's throw all the big boys down there, Um, or is this going to be made a a team that we see on uh, Saturday made up uh, largely of not FC Dallas players? I think it's going to look a lot like it's looked most of the season. I think... Any of the players they would want to send down to this, they're going to want to save. Because I, I don't think Lucci would be super happy sending a guy down to for North Texas if he thinks at all he'd like to use them in Seattle. I don't think we're going to see many people try and play both games. Uh, I, I think you're going to see a lineup that looks pretty familiar to, say, what they put in Tucson last weekend. Uh, Arturo Rodriguez, Jada, Breck Evans, Carlos Aviles in goal, Callum Montgomery. What about an Edwin Cerillo or a Thomas Roberts and Ricardo Pepe? Uh, Ricardo Pepe, probably. Thomas Roberts. Thomas Roberts, most definitely. Uh, I, I, I feel like this is the sort of a game where Roberts still isn't quite a regular minutes getter for the first team. I think Thomas is the level of player you'd see sent to uh, North Texas. Pepe, I think that'd be cool because of him even only playing 12 games, he was still tied for a fifth in the goal scoring race. But like, Cerillo, I don't think so. I I think Cerillo is probably going to stay for like Cerillo, Cervania, those guys, they're probably not going to play. Well, if you read today's practice report, cross-promotion, uh, Jimmy Maurer and Brian Reynolds both trained with North Texas today and not with FC Dallas. Thomas Roberts, uh, Pepe, everybody else, Nelson, Montgomery, they were all with FC Dallas. So read into that what you will. Maurer trains with North Texas most of the time, though. Like Whenever I was out there, he was always with them pretty, pretty regularly. 
That may be true, but I just saying specifically today he did. I have not seen him train with North Texas before personally, but um, that's today he and Roberts were over there. So, so it's just a factor to consider, and I'm not saying it's definitive by any means. Okay, but what I'm interested in understanding because I haven't followed uh, North <laughs> Texas very closely, and and I'm uh, and John and or, or any of the three of you um, have way more insight into this than I do, but. What is the internal at it? I mean, I've always understood that the concept of North Texas isn't about necessarily winning games and championships. It's about getting young players experience. But now that you're here, you've got an opportunity to win silverware. Why wouldn't they go out and put their big dog lineup out there with as their best players? Or is it the internal attitude is still sticking by the motto of, no, we really want to give these kids an opportunity to grow and learn? Well, I think considering they've been winning by playing the young kids, a mixture of a handful of sundowns, a handful of the dedicated North Texas players like Arturo, and a handful of academy call-ups, that works. And it's consistently worked against every team in the league to a winning the table or regular season title by 10 points. I don't think they've had any issues... Between and when I when I asked Eric Quill about this uh, a couple months ago, he says if we can win by playing the philosophy we've been using, then that's just even better for us. That he he sees it as when we do things the way we want to do them internally, getting young players minutes, getting guys from the first team to rehab or develop, giving guys from the academy a chance to test the professional waters. We win. And it's kind of like the perfect formula is they don't have to choose between fighting really hard to win in the playoffs and sticking to their system of playing the kids because doing both is the best option. So, yeah, one thing, okay, go ahead. One thing you have to have, one thing you had to have happen is that uh, North Texas had to have turned in a playoff roster. Um, I don't remember exactly how many players it is, and it's made up of people that played for you during the regular season. But you had to say what it was, like a, I think it's a couple of weeks ago, kind of like a roster freeze and MLS, if you will. So they would have had to have said who among the academy and who among the MLS guys that could come down uh, we might use in the playoffs. Now, from Lucci's perspective, uh, North Texas is just a rehab assignment or a get minutes for guys who aren't getting minutes kind of situation. Lucci's not concerned with whether North Texas wins or loses games. Now, Eric Quill is, of course. So, you know, when you see something like Reynolds training with them, it's because he's coming back from the hyperextended knee and he's been out for like a week and a half. Or you see someone like Maurer training with him. Maybe they were doing a scrimmage. Maybe they wanted to send Maurer over there and have him be in a game-type situation rather than like just a training drill set situation. So um, I think – who they send down will depend entirely on are they going to be in the 18 for um, the, the Seattle game. If Lucci thinks they're in the 18 for the Seattle game, like Pepe is a good example of that, then I don't think he'll play for North Texas because Lucci will be thinking only about Seattle. All right, does anybody so, does anybody want to predict what the starting 11 for Saturday for North Texas is? Yeah. Sure, I, I'll take a shot. I'll let John go first, and then I'll and I'll chime in afterwards. All right. Uh, Back line is going to be, I, I think, Avales over Maurer just because... Just just tell me that. Don't tell yeah, me why. Okay. Just give me the names. Okay. So, Avales, then Breck Evans, uh, Callum Montgomery, uh, Jonathan, Goma, Jonathan Gomez, 
Kevin Bonilla, uh, Arturo Rodriguez, Jorge Almaware, uh, Alpha Sani Jada, uh, Arturo, uh, uh, David Rodriguez, uh, Ronaldo Damas, if he's, yeah, he'll be back. Ronaldo Damas and, maybe. uh, maybe. Ronaldo Damas and Oscar Romero. That's my 11. I swear you just threw in 13, but whatever. Uh, Buzz, what's your 11? Yeah. Are there uh, any changes from that? My changes is Donzo over uh, Oscar Romero. I don't think Oscar Romero plays unless they're short players. He's not, I don't think, a first lineup player for them. Um, the other thing you might have is, is if Reynolds is healthy, I think you'd see Reynolds over Benia at right back. Uh, who was your three midfielders? You had um, Jata, uh, Art, uh, Almaguer, and Art, uh, David. Uh, you, no, I would go um, David. No, I would go with uh, Thomas Roberts coming down. So you'll have uh, Jata, Roberts, and Almaguer, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Arturo, the left wing. Damus the striker and Danzo the Danzo the right wing. Otherwise, I think I think that's probably likely. All right, so the you know North Texas has kind of floated their way through this season, and I and I wonder if there's a general consensus that maybe this isn't quite the level. I know I know financially it made a lot more sense, and I don't even I, I don't even begrudge the hunts for that one. But is there any sense that maybe USL one isn't quite up to the standard, uh, especially if they kind of uh, burn their way through the playoffs and win silverware? Um, is there any discussion about maybe going up to pro or it is what it is and it's going to stay this way? Well, there'll be no discussion about going up to pro that's too expensive. Um, and, uh, the league wants all the, um, MLS reserve teams to come down to USL one. So new England is coming in. Um, uh, who's the other one that just announced Oh, Miami Miami. Inter Miami is coming in. Um, and the other part of it is, too, is that just this first year, I think a lot of teams underestimated what it was going to take to compete. So I think the league's going to get better as more MLS teams come down. This, the level of play will come up, and this league will get a lot better. Um, in terms of, is it good enough? I don't know. I think if you could have been in USL Championship, that would have been a lot better. But, um, you know, that's just not going to happen with the amount of money that it costs and the amount of stadium that it costs. Like, they have a bunch of stadiums rule now rules now um, for – USL championship that just, you're not going to compete unless you build your own venue really pretty much and drop another 20 to $50 million on top of the expansion fee, which is like 25 or 20 or whatever it is. So, you know, the hunts aren't doing that. So it is what it is, but it'll get better. Um, as the play comes up and as the MLS teams come in and more of them are going to come in and it'll, it'll be fine. All right. So John, uh, before we, uh, close shop on, on North Texas, if they were to beat forward on Saturday, what's the rest of the path for the playoffs look like for them? So the other game is going to be Greenville versus Lansing. So hosted in Lansing, uh, Lansing was actually, North Texas actually has identical records against both teams, but managed six goals against Lansing in three games versus one goal against Greenville in three games. Uh, Lansing as Lansing is already notorious. The ballpark that they play in has a terrible field to the point where the league may be intervening to change that. There's been some pretty loud discussion that they're not happy. Uh, 
Greenville is easily, for North Texas, the more difficult team to face. They've only conceded 22 goals all season. They have arguably the best keeper in the league in Dallas J. Uh, either way, North Texas will host if they win. Uh, I like North Texas's odds against Lansing better, but I think Greenville might be the better team in that game. Yeah, and make no mistake, the home field advantage is everything here. Uh, North Texas is 10-1-3, and one loss at home. And that game was a, that loss was a fluky loss, too. So it's that home ice is uh, everything. And it was a fluky loss to Greenville in particular, and that's Look, partially why Green, I don't want to play them. Greenville were kind of interesting. I mean, their whole strategy in the league, every time they play uh, North Texas SC, was let's just stick eleven men behind, uh, 10 men behind the ball. You know, I mean... Um, Eric Quill sort of said, you know, it's, it's frustrating. They just sit. They don't do anything. In a playoff, they can't do that. They have to abandon that strategy. So, you know, I mean, I, I would fancy uh, Lansing Ignite to, to win anyway. But, you know, when you kind of adopt that as a, as a way to get up the league table, when it comes to playoffs, you've you got to throw it out the window and, and really try and establish a new identity. It's, it's, it's a tough thing to do on the spot. And does everybody have a prediction as to how North Texas's uh, playoffs will go? John? Yeah. Uh, 4-1 over Madison. Uh, Greenville wins 2-1 over Lansing. And then uh, uh, 3-3 penalty shootout for the championship. <laughs> That's very specific. Specific. Thank you, John. Uh, Dan, you got a prediction? Brick Evans uh, lifts some silverware. All right, I love it, Buzz. Yeah, I think uh, they're going to win the championships as well, and uh, Damus is going to have a hat trick in the final to bring home the title. Wow! Will they do this without any Ricardo Pepe at all? I, I think so. Yeah, I think Pepe is a hundred percent in the FC Dallas eighteen man squad, and he will stay there. Hmm. Fascinating. Problem uh, is that the final, if it is in North Texas, is going to be just a couple hours after the Seattle game. Um, what might be nice for the t- oh actually it's not even possible for the team to do a hey come to the stadium and watch the game and stay around because it would be a seven o'clock kickoff. Wow, fascinating. Okay, um, so that oh so if they do win this weekend, the final is the following Saturday and it would be in Texas. It would be in Frisco at seven p.m. Yep. All right, and that'll be their last game in Frisco before they move to Arlington and Globe Life Park. Yeah. All right. Rest in peace, ascendances. <laughs> By the way, I, w- I was right about that. Their GM said that the reason they're moving there is the idea of spreading the brand around the soccer, the quality soccer around the Metroplex. So that was the was idea. Was that from did he read that off Dustin Nation? Did he write that? It was. Did he it read was. that off a card that was handed to him and written in crayon? No, he actually said it in a bar, but he was recording, so. <laughs> All right. Uh, other news, we got some call-ups today. Some uh, some of the kids are going up to the uh, U-17 World Cup. Uh, uh, Buzz? Yeah, Ricardo Pepe um, will, will be on the World Cup team. There's another reason why he won't play for North Texas. Um, and also Nico Carrera, who's a, um, a young player for the FC Dallas Academy. He's a member of the U-19 team, and he's been in and out of their lineup a little bit um, because he's been in the middle of a tug of war between Mexico and the U S where he was involved in uh, camps for both teams. And he chose to represent the United States at the, you know, international tournament, which 
ties him, uh, will tie him to the United States, uh, although he could still make a one-time switch like everybody can, but this will be his tying tournament. Um, I think he's a future pro. He's There's a lot of discussion that a lot some clubs are eyeing him uh, and seeing how he performs in this tournament, so we'll see what happens when he comes out of the back end of it. When you say clubs are eyeing him, eyeing him from Mexico, Europe? Uh, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, when you're a player that's getting in your, in your late teens and you're getting into both Mexico and U.S. camps, you're pretty good. So, you know, there's the teams, including FC Dallas, want to sign him. So, um, you know, where he signs and where he goes, his family is very FC Dallas. His younger brother is the keeper for the U-17s. Um, his younger sister is part of the Dallas ENCL team. And his youngest brother of four uh, just joined the FC Dallas Academy, although I think he's down at like the U-12 level or something or below. Um, so, you know, they're very FC Dallas family. They all moved here for Nico and his brothers to be in this academy. So where'd um, they move you know, from? There's a, uh, they've kicked around the United. He's originally from uh, Pachuca. Where is he from? Uh, he, well, he he came into FC Dallas from Pachuca, but he actually played um, for one of Minnesota United's youth teams at one point way back when. Uh-huh. Um, and his family's moved around various places. I think he was even in El Paso for a little while too for El Paso FCD maybe at one point. Um, you know, they, they've moved a lot, that family. It's one of those families for work reasons, I think. It's traveled around various, various places. But he did come to FC Dallas from Pachuca's Academy uh, a couple of years ago. So he's, uh, you know, dual national, can play for either one, and is chosen the United States. And great for him and great for us. And, uh, and hopefully he chooses to be a pro with FC Dallas. That'd be awesome. Um, but if not, if he chooses to be a pro somewhere else, it'll be like Weston McKinney, except that now that uh, the league will go after the solidarity payment, so Dallas will get something out of it no matter what. But hopefully he'll stay here and be a pro here. That'd be nice. All right. Well, thank you, guys. This has been a fascinating conversation. We got a bit of a week off uh, as the uh, international break takes place this week, and we'll watch and see how Reggie does with the U.S. men's national team and their nation league uh, tilts. Um, but uh, next week, I'm sure we'll have a lot more preview of the playoff game against Seattle. John, I hope you're all revved up and ready to go for your North Texas playoff game on Saturday night. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to... Because even DBGs, we're going to try and do some stuff and uh, have some drums there at the game and make some real noise. So it's like a real game, not just a game game. Well, it'd be nice if there was a a decent attendance for that game. So uh, enjoy yourself on Saturday night. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Great info as always. We love having you on the podcast. We should actually do it more now that I think about it. Yeah, I, I love being on here. I love talking USL. I probably watch more USL both league one and championship than any other league including mls uh i I love this stuff usl playoffs are the chaos that sustains me injected directly into my veins you you know what i just had the an epiphany you are essentially the american version of dan crook dan who hates the premier league but loves him some uh, efl you are not an mls fan you love the usl Oh, I, I was watching USL when I had to go to their website and get like a terrible 360p stream to watch Orlando versus Wim- Wilmington back in like 2011, and I, I still live wow, for it. That is a weird level of soccer nerdiness right there. Well, yeah. th- thank you, John. I appreciate it. And Dan, uh, I hope you took that as a compliment, by the way. I didn't mean that as a negative or anything. It's okay. It's just. <laughs> I'll be fine. How are, how are your Luton Townies doing? 
Uh, good. Played on ESPN Plus twice last week. Got a win and a draw. That was that was nice. Right on. In uh, in a very special universe, that's particularly possible and happening. My team may be playing against your team next season in the championship. <laughs> Possibly. I hope we have a new goalkeeper before then. Because if you read my outside the box thing. Our keeper messed up a couple of times at the weekend. Yeah, your keeper is shite, isn't he? That's uh, Croatia's national team goalkeeper, Simon uh, Simon Sluga. Yes, he's not very good. Uh, And Buzz, thanks, man. I hope you're feeling better. Your uh, breathing still sounds a bit labored, but um, I hope you're you're, at least you sound like you feel better. Well, I'm on the men. I'm not quite there yet. It's just now. It's just fallenness. Uh, at one kind of one quick, really North Texas note that may have slipped through the cracks is Ronaldo Damos actually got called up to the Haitian na- senior national team mm-hmm. um, for their Nations League game, and they have a Nations League game and a friendly, and the North Texas playoff game is in between those two. Oh, so I mean, everyone is assuming he's going to get released back for and not be there for the friendly after the Nations League game, but. There's a hypothetical chance that he may not be coming back for this first playoff game. <laughs> would not well, be happy. We still haven't even heard because the, the, the Haiti game is tonight. It actually starts here in about 45 minutes, and I'm going to be watching And it's on that. TV. It is. And it's also on One Soccer, which is, like, even better. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching the Canadian League, too. Ask me how I feel about that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm waiting eagerly. They're playing Costa Rica here in 45 minutes. Uh, they have yeah. not announced rosters or lineups yet, but if he plays, I'll be watching that and tweeting if he does anything cool. Hey, John. Right, sorry. John, are you one of these people that I keep hearing described as the term incel? No. Oh, okay. Just wanted to understand. No, I'm like a huge super nerd, but like the cool type who collects fountain pens and goes outside and has more than one friend. <laughs> yeah, John, he, he said incel, not incest. <laughs> he, he, he did describe you. That's got a girlfriend, doesn't he? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's not an insult. All right. Yeah, she was even at the game on on uh, Sunday. She was, right. She's been to two games, the Houston home and Kansas City home, both big wins. She's not a model in Canada? Uh, no, she's uh, IT support who mods video game consoles. Oh, even hotter. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, very dirty. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, excellent. Uh, we'll have fun, everybody, uh, this weekend. Uh, go North Texas and go USA. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Oh, thank you, good FC Dallas Curious fan. We appreciate you listening. We will speak to you next week on another edition of Third Degree, the podcast.